Hi, I'm Max Forsyth, founder and managing director of ComSearch and Selection, the specialist in-house communications executive search and recruitment firm based in the UK, covering the UK and US markets, and also host of our Comms Coffee Club podcast, where we interview the best and brightest brains within the in-house communications industry from across um, global companies and industries. And we get to learn about them, what makes them tick, their insights and some of the favorite CEOs and communications campaigns they've worked on. Unfortunately, uh, the last couple of our guests um, have been struck down with COVID, um, so they're unable to interview this week on the pod. So bringing you something very special, we're flipping things around and I'm going to be in the interview seat uh, and the wonderful Arabella will be interviewing me instead uh, and yeah, we'll be discussing all things comms search and selection the comms coffee club podcast why i set it up what my vision is for it and uh, yeah, some of the best campaigns and best comms people uh, that, that i've worked with over the years uh, either with them as a candidate or as a client or indeed uh, some of the previous interviewees on the comms coffee club podcast so yeah i hope you enjoy don't forget to like and subscribe on youtube uh, or follow the podcast on your favorite podcast app and if you do get a moment as well uh, feel free to check out our patreon channel uh, which is comms coffee club podcast on patreon uh, and for just five pounds a month you will get early access to each episode You'll get bonus content as well, um, exclusive insights and early access to comms search and selections, face-to-face comms coffee club events as well, which are always great fun uh, and everyone really looks forward to. So yeah, um, yeah, please do check them out and let's get on with the episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Comms Coffee Club podcast. I'm Isabella, your host for today, as we're in for a special treat. We have none other than your regular host, Max Forsyth, the managing director and founder of Comms Search and Selection, in the hot seat. Max, welcome to your own podcast. Let's dive in. Max, can you briefly tell us about yourself and what drove you to set up Comms Search and Selection? I'm Max Forsyth, uh, seven and a bit years uh, of in-house communications recruitment experience. Um, like everyone, um, if you know any other recruiters, uh, very few. In fact, I'd say nobody grows up uh, and says, I'm going to be a recruiter. It's, uh, it's very much a career that people, people tend to fall into. Um, uh, I'll keep this as, as short as I possibly can. Uh, went to university uh, down in Brighton, uh, studied sports journalism. Uh, which I loved. I didn't honestly really know what I wanted to do when I left school, but um, uh, rather than revising for my A-levels, I just really enjoyed um, watching, uh, listening um, and playing sport. So, yeah, I thought I would, yeah, kind of match that with a sports journalism degree down in Brighton. Um, Didn't realise at first that the campus was actually in Eastbourne, um, which is about 20 miles along the south coast of Brighton. Uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know Eastbourne itself, so Brighton, very cool city, uh, very arty, lots of entertainment, great place to be a student, 
lots on, really cool. Eastbourne, uh, it's one of the sunniest places in the UK, but it has a reputation for being uh, something of a retirement village down by the sea. So yeah, not exactly what you'd think of um, if you were to think of a, you know, a, a sort of roaring and raving uh, student town. But anyway, um, yeah, finished that. Um, to be brutally honest, I, uh, a lot of journalism at that point was going down the social media route. Didn't particularly interest me writing tweets all day. Um, I really wanted to do long form. But that was very hard to get into. And you know, I just didn't fancy working for the Sorry Comet for 14 or 12 grand a year, whatever it was at the time. Um, so yeah, and then went through a couple of other jobs. And uh, yeah, I was living with a housemate uh, who said, yeah, why don't you give recruitment a go? Um, so I thought, yeah, why not? Uh, went across to Morgan Hunt, which is a sort of well-established public sector recruiter. Uh, did six months there, realised that I enjoyed recruitment, wasn't particularly a big fan uh, of, you know, recruiting public sector membership body side of things. So, uh, yeah, uh, role came up at EMR and then spent uh, five and a half years there building out the communications uh, recruitment team, uh, which I absolutely loved. Um, and then yeah, I went across to LHH um, for uh, six months, which used to be knock and clock, and then decided to set up on my own. So yeah, comm search and selection was born. Uh, why did I choose it? Well, one, I love my job. Um, I love communications. I, I think uh, it doesn't really matter whether you're going to set a business up uh, or you're going to work in something. I think you genuinely have to enjoy what you do otherwise it becomes very hard work very quickly um yeah so i knew i loved the job um i had a bit of savings um thought i would um you know give sort of running my own my own uh, shop a go um you know really wanted uh, maybe a, not necessarily responsibility but more uh, but more ownership um of the decision making process and being able to do and being able to do my own thing so uh, and then I felt uh, a lot of communications recruiters in the UK, um, you know, there are lots of um, smaller boutique agencies like an EMR, for example, or, you know, you get the larger, more established brands like a Michael Page, Hayes, Robert Walters, um, who, you know, they might do communications, but they'll do it as part of you know, like a marketing and communications recruitment team. Um, and generally speaking, because communications is a, is a smaller function than marketing, uh, a lot of the focus from a marketing perspective from the agency's uh, side of things tends to be more on the marketing side and less on the communication side. So with that, I felt there was a real gap in the market, um, to really go after the in-house communications piece because you know uh, there aren't that many people out there that do it you know VMA is probably the probably the longest standing brand and you know, is is the is the communications version of EMR if EMR is the sort of leading marketing brand uh, but even I mean even VMA have started to branch out you know and they've got sort of marketing desk digital etc so yeah I felt there was a real gap for the in-house communications world I think if you look at some other you know the smaller uh, you know sort of boutique commerce recruitment agencies that obviously have been around a few more years uh, than we have because they're only five and a half months old 
even then, a lot of them tend to focus on the internal communications, uh, change communication side of things. But I really wanted to be able to cover everything here. So, you know, it's the corporate communications, it's the external communications, PR, media relations, as well as the internal comms and change comms, so that, you know, a chief communications officer uh, or a, you know, a comms director can come to me and use comms search and selection uh, as, uh, yeah, as a reason for, you know, a sort of one-stop shop really for all of their different uh, recruitment needs within their team. And also, frankly, you know, from a quality and excellence and value perspective, you know, I really also really felt there was space for someone to do things really, really, really well and, you know, be consultative, offer those extra insights, which we're doing with the podcast blogs we've got the commerce coffee club newsletter uh, which people can subscribe to either via our website or linkedin by the way um yeah and really talk about those issues uh, and the latest trends and what people within communications would find useful and of value from us i think a lot of recruitment agencies don't really matter what sector they're in you know, spend a lot of time talking about, oh, you know, we've done a placement here or, you know, here's another salary survey or another market report. Yeah, you know, fine. It's it's kind of interesting. Uh, some of it's useful. Some, some of it, you know, I honestly don't think a lot of in-house clients are that bothered. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's all, it's all very samey. So again, wanted to do something different, stand out from the crowd. So, yeah, so so that's why we're here. What's your long-term vision for comm search and selection? Yeah, it's a great question. Vision, um, where do I want the business to get to? Uh, you know, I, I, I'd like to be the, you know, I'd, I'd like to be the leading and, and, and most trusted in-house communications recruitment brand. Uh, yeah, you know, as I say, and, and also, what are we going to measure that by? That's uh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I don't necessarily. It doesn't necessarily need to be the largest at all. Um, but reputationally wise, you know, it's in, interesting, isn't it? Because obviously, being a comms recruiter, uh, you know, particularly for the corporate comms and PR people, reputation is uh, such an important uh, part of their of their role within their business or their company. But yeah, reputationally wise, yeah, I just. Yeah, I really, I really want people to think of us as um, comm search and selection, you know, one really damn good at the job and, you know, they get us great candidates or, you know, I can get a candidate or we can get a candidate a new role. Um, And, you know, everyone talks about service excellence, don't they? But yeah, you know, really holding people's hands through that process, making sure that candidates are properly briefed on roles, properly briefed before interviews. You know, we go the extra mile in terms of that interview prep, you know, doing, you know, doing a lot of their research for them. You know, they're busy people. Comms comms people, comms teams are, you know, historically and still, you know, under resourced, you know, in my opinion. I think if you look at uh, you take so many businesses and you look at the size of the marketing team and the marketing budget uh, compared to yeah the size and the budget of most communications teams. And then you look at the value those two teams generate, you know, the business wins, you know, the reputational sort of defense, the employee engagement, linking it back to retention rates, et cetera. 
comms teams offer unbelievable value but of course it means that comms people are are time poor and um yeah you know they're often putting in a lot of extra hours so yeah whatever we can do as as a recruitment agency to to make their lives easier you know make them interview better or help them interview better rather uh yeah, it's a win win you know the you know you know the candidates the candidates happier uh the clients happier because they have in you know can they have people that interview really well the clients also happier because they end up hiring um you know someone who's you know who's who's you know really taken the time and being coached really well so that they can you know seamlessly integrate into that new organization um uh, and we're happy obviously because we get the recruitment fee for it right um so yeah so that's my long-term vision um you know clearly from a practical perspective uh, yeah you know w- you know we'll grow um i've been very you know i've been very careful uh, you know i i i haven't sought outside investment i don't want to do that you know i don't want the business to be sort of heavily debt leveraged uh, whether interest rates are where they are at the moment or whether they were low you know you know i wanted growth to really be organic and almost to reflect you know the organic uh, growth and the and the earned earned status and earned growth that in-house comms teams do compared to um you know spending tons of money on seo and uh and paid campaigns right so um yeah so that's my vision wonderful vision indeed now turning to the podcast what inspired you to create the comms coffee club podcast one i love podcasts i've got really into my podcasts actually it was a uh, it was more of a COVID thing, I think, more than anything. Um, you know, going out for, you know, when we were only allowed an hour's exercise a day. God, those rules were just ridiculous, weren't they? But um, being able to, yeah, you know, go for a walk or go for a bike ride, um, you know, and put a podcast on uh, and listen to that. Uh, I just got really, really into it. Um, and yeah, I listen to all sorts of podcasts now from, uh, you know, podcasts on, uh, you know, sort of topical insights, some business insights, you know, right the way through to comedy, um, you know, random, random podcasts as well about all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah, they're great. They're really interesting. I, yeah, I, I, I really love the ability, you know, the audio format is great. Also being able to watch stuff on, on YouTube or have it on in the background, you know, in the office sometimes, um, you know, like on the TV behind me it's um yeah it's just engaging and it's it's almost a bit like having the radio on um except you know they get a bit deeper into subjects and topics rather than the you know the very quick sort of snippets you get on the radio which i really like um and yeah it also means that you can consume you know great content whilst you're busy doing something else it doesn't just have to be you know a walk or or a run or a bike ride you know you can be you know you can be doing the ironing <laughs> you know you can be doing the washing up uh, or the gardening you know mowing the lawn uh, yeah it, it's it's just a great or you know or, or even for yeah you know for people that work in companies you know on the commute you know whether you drive to your office or you get the train or the tube to work um you can listen to a podcast and consume that you know, just whilst you're sat there you know it's actually much easier than you know having to actually manually scroll through an article or you know you know read a physical newspaper uh, even if you're at your desk not that I necessarily advise this but you know you can always have 
one ear in and have a podcast and then you've got your other ear uh free so yeah so so i love them for that reason and then yeah why did i set up the cops coffee club podcast um again it goes back to the insights piece and offering something different uh for both candidates um and hiring managers also you know over the years doing this job I, you know, i've had some fascinating conversations with people um in-house communications people have some great you know, some fantastic insights, some great stories to tell as well, because of particularly the senior level, their closeness to the C-suite, the CEO, they're always, you know, one of the first to hear or they're on top of issues, you know, plans, etc. cetera. Um, so they're right at the coalface of, of the really meaty stuff within a business. So you know, I wanted to take those conversations and be able to, share them with our audience uh they're you know they're genuinely really interesting some great stories um and yeah i uh, yeah I, I thought there was great you know value i mean not just value but also just genuine interest and human interest in it you've spoken to some of the brightest minds in the business what are some of the best communications campaigns that you've heard about during your interviews uh, yeah so great campaigns during interviews or stories over the years oh, loads <laughs> too many uh, I, I think some of the some of the real standout ones i think uh, actually a, a really great one is probably from pwc uh, the commerce team there so pwc were the first of the big four uh, firms to come out with their gender pay gap report in the uk in 2014 and uh, yes, there was a content marketing campaign that went alongside it, but the PR campaign did a huge amount of work on pushing that. You know, it got picked up by a lot of, you know, not just trade, but national press, you know, the FT, BBC, Telegraph, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it was, um, don't want to get misquoted here, but I think it was front page on some of them. And yeah, and you know the amount of business that the managing partner for that area at PwC, you know, won off the back of clients reading that stuff in the paper or you know listening to it on the radio, news, etc., was phenomenal. And I think that's a really great example of where communications on a proactive front can really drive that return on investment. So I think it can be it can be difficult sometimes, can't it, for uh, for communications teams to be able to necessarily track some of that back and put it on a spreadsheet and put it in their board pack. You know, it's it's unlike marketing or you know sort of the SEO conversion or website conversion. You know, you can quite clearly track that or even if you put a you know you put uh, you know you put a box on your inquiry form on your website and we'll say you know where do you, you know, let's take PwC, where did you hear about PwC? Or, and you know, most people will probably have gone on uh, on their browser and gone to Google and typed in PwC. Uh, and a lot of people will just naturally then put Google. But actually, that person, take the PwC gender pay gap before example, but that person could have, you know, or that person's read that in the paper or they've listened to it on the radio then their next step was to go onto their laptop and google pwc so google's not google's not necessarily really the really the true answer 
And actually it was actually because a lot of the clients rang up the managing partner personally. So he could offer that. So so he could offer that verbal feedback. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's really important on that for you know, comms teams to, you know, really be working in tandem with okay, in a professional service environment, it's partners or you know, in legal, it's the yeah, it's the partners again or or the senior lawyers who will often be doing that business development. Uh, but if you're not in those you know, firms, uh, you know, work with a sales team, you know, if, if you're in funds or financial services, they call everyone distribution, don't they? <laughs> Just a fancy word for sales. <laughs> but you need to be, you know, you need to be really in tune and, and, you know, speaking to those people regularly so that you can pick up some of those snippets that's coming back from customers where, you know, they've read about something in the press or the thought leadership campaign you pushed out on LinkedIn and then making sure that you're putting that back in in your ball packs. Uh, on the reactive and crisis communications point of things, I think actually, yeah, the episode two of the podcast uh, with Kate Howell, uh, who used to be the director of communications at Borough Market, that was a genuinely you know, fascinating interview. And she at the time she was director of communications when it was the london bridge terror attack in 2017 and that uh, terror attack spilled into borough market you know very sadly you know claimed some lives uh kate at the time she was on holiday in the us so you know she got the call when she was in a remote part of the us she had to fly back to the uk on the next available flight you know the crisis communications hub you know was about four of them in a room in a temporary office because obviously the police um, closed Borough Market. No one could get in there whilst they were doing all of their investigations, etc. Um, and yeah, you know uh, the importance of having that crisis communications plan in place. Uh, clearly, that's an extreme example, but you know, you need to have the nuts and bolts of that. You know the plan. You know the plan itself of you know if X happens. B, C, D, E, that bit tends to go out the window a little bit in that, you know, it's very fluid, things will change, but you know, it's, it's things like um, having all the contact details of your staff members up to date, you know, having that crisis cascade plan to make sure that you can contact all of your staff, you know, make sure they're safe, find out where they are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that stuff is really important and, yeah, you really need to listen to the episode because I think that is a fantastic example of unbelievably important but good crisis communications planning. You know, is really really important. Um, you know, multiple stories from across different businesses. By the way, I won't I won't name the brands because I think crisis communications <laughs> is a, is a bit sensitive. But yeah, you know, the amount of times where uh, you know, senior comms people have, you know, you know, kept a negative story out of the press, which, you know, would have been incredibly, you know, bad for the business, the exco. By the way, they're not stopping anything illegal in the press. That's that's very different. But you know, this is, you know, it's 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 just business stuff that, you know, wouldn't be favourable to the brand or the business. And you know, the importance of a really good, you know, comms leader to be able to do that can't be underestimated um also on the internal side of things as well um 
you know, I'm conscious I don't necessarily want to beat sort of beat HR teams sort of with a stick here. But yeah, you know, I think you know, they can often be quite process driven. And, you know, let's say you're going through a restructure or a redundancy process, it can be sometimes it can be quite black and white, you know, they get their spreadsheet up, you know, here are the salaries, here are the roles, here are the savings we need to make, right, so these are the people that are here, these are the ones that are staying, you know, let's just get, you know, kind of let's just tell everyone, <laughs> you know, clearly, you can't do it that way. And things like that need to be managed as compassionately uh, as possible and the reasons explained. You know, clearly, there's also the legal piece behind it as well. So you need to make sure that legal are involved, uh, counsel, as well as as well as the comms team to make sure that you're doing that, one, lawfully, but then from a communications perspective, getting that right so that bad news can be delivered in the best way possible. Um, there's quite a few examples of that. And then uh, finally, just to flip it back to the positive side of things, episode one with Elena Francis was another great example where you know, she was in New York, she was working for Swiss Re, uh, the sales side of the business, uh, they, you know, they had a new product to launch um, and yeah, she PR'd it. You know, it took a long time, but that wasn't just the media relations piece. It was, you know, working in tandem with marketing and the events team, uh, you know, getting, you know, getting the, you know, getting the sales team and the actuaries, you know, around the table at dinners with journalists, you know, doing that real relationship building with journalists, explaining what was quite a complex product to them. Um, and then them being able to, you know, tell that story, print it, etc. And uh, yeah, the I think it was the global head or the global director of uh, of distribution for that product called Elena into his office one day and said, you know, Elena, what have you done? You know, she was expecting to get a bollocking. You know, she didn't, obviously, you know, and they'd actually run out of product to be able to, um, yeah, you know, sell to clients. So I think, again, that's another really good example of you know, where PR can be used from a positive perspective and really driving that return on investment. So yeah, definitely check out episode one, two. And then Wesley Earl as well, who was on episode three. You know, great guy, took, you know, he he joined Natixis uh, Investment Managers, uh, you know, when, when, when they were very much a, you know, mid-size investment and asset manager. Uh, they were an ex-client of his, you know, moved over to London, spent 10 years there i think that's really interesting as well from a from a growth perspective for the business supporting that from a communication perspective both corporate external and internal and you know how communications evolves whether it's you know helping drive employee engagement culture new markets uh, in new countries that you haven't you know that you haven't worked in before building that brand profile, that brand raising, also cultural nuances uh, between, you know, it, 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 it still, you know, it still amazes me. I find it quite fascinating how, you know, uh, how much even between English speaking languages, so the UK and the US, for example, you know, even that, how PR and media relations differs, you know, never mind if you're trying to, you know, do your corporate communications in London, and then at the same time, trying to build, you know, kind of build out the brand in South America or, you know, or Far East Asia, 
you know, three three completely different cultural environments, three completely different investment environments, you know, three completely different media environments, you know, tone, language, legal as well, what you can say, what you can't say, how regulated an environment is. Again, that's a really interesting episode on uh, yeah, on true global communications. Truly remarkable campaigns there. Lastly, given the turbulent in-house communications recruitment market continually evolving, what advice would you have for hiring managers and candidates currently? So, yeah, very, very turbulent comms recruitment market. Yeah, very up and down. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, in fact, it's impossible to predict, you know, where, where the market's going to go or necessarily what industries exactly, I think. If you take a if you take a macro view, you know, certainly the UK and the US is quite similar to this. Um, if you look at vacancy numbers across all sectors and all industries, so you know this isn't just communications, not just white collar stuff. It's literally everything. Uh, the post the post COVID uh, boom, if you like, um, it peaked it peaked over a year ago. It peaked about fifteen months ago, and then since then. It's been on a downward trend there, you know, trend wise. Yeah, uh, not as steep or as or as sharp as COVID when, when, when a lot of recruitment just stopped overnight. And, you know, certainly in, in communications. Yeah, you know, it was dead. I was at EMR at the time and um, I was never furloughed. But l- looking back, may as well have just furloughed me for, you know, four to six months because there really was not anything out there really and actually certainly in-house communicators were were too busy doing 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 communications you know they were the first and last call of the day uh, for most ceos uh, actually i think that's been a good thing it, it, comms had a good pandemic in inverted commas in that you know i think uh, you know, probably the majority of excos had seen it as a bit of a support function but yeah they get the they get the strategic importance of it now, which is great. And I think, yeah, long term, you know, that will, you know, that will really benefit communications. And yeah, I certainly think there needs to be more of a swing for communications uh, and marketing in terms of, you know, headcount and where that budget is allocated. You haven't seen a huge amount of it yet, but yeah, there's macroeconomic things at the moment. It means it's difficult for a lot of companies to invest too much. Um yeah, you know, not as steep as COVID, you know, probably similar actually really to 0809 if you look at the trends. Uh and and it should start to turn, you know, relatively soon on a macro level, uh, as you know, as companies, you know, do those restructures, um, people that have been made redundant find new roles, uh yeah, you know, a bit more scarcity of talent, more people leave, people go off sick leave. Yeah, vacancies will ride. It's very cyclical. It's just a case of when. Um, the tech sector uh, made a lot of cuts uh, back end of uh, last year and into the start of this year. Uh, yeah, there's been a few more shavings across the tech industry over the over the summer. But I think you, know, you may have seen the news last week. Even even Salesforce uh, have have restarted hiring and have actually offered an olive branch um, uh, back to those employees that they made redundant, uh, a boomerang, as I think the headlines were calling it. Um, be interesting to see how many people take up that offer at, at Salesforce. So yeah, I think, yeah, technology is 
probably turning a bit of a corner. I think you know, also the VC funds, the PE funds, the institutional investors have, you know, they've, you know, they've realigned their portfolios. And I think with regards to the technology businesses, you know, they've, you know, they've weeded out the businesses that weren't really viable or weren't ever really going to make a profit. Um, and they've sorted those out. And I think, yeah, you know, they're really backing the technology companies that, you know, genuinely do have a great product and can become profitable. Again, the AI space obviously has has blown up. Um, so so that will need, yeah, so that, you know, so that will need communication people too. Financial services, you know, generally speaking, it's been a bit of a slog all year, but you know, it's not as bad as it was at the start. Obviously, the US, yeah, kind of the US banking crisis uh, sort of accounted for for a lot of that slowdown and its sort of ripple effect. What can hiring manager candidates do? I think, yeah, you know, for candidates, you know, the really obvious things, um, you know, look at your LinkedIn profile, you know, try and optimize that uh, as much as possible. You know, make sure you've got the right job titles in terms of, you know, your level. So, you know, whether you're a head of or a director, VP in the States, AVP, you know, make sure that's right. You know, don't put your entire CV on LinkedIn, but have a couple of bullet points under the roles uh, for that extra bit of detail so you get picked up in keyword searches. You know, make sure you've got a nice profile picture. Make sure you've got a headline. Make sure you've got a banner profile. You know, make sure you're networking. You know, I think for a lot of people, particularly more senior people, you know, have you reached out to your old network? Have you spoken to old bosses? You know, people that were in your team that are now hiring managers, you know, how they got anything going. It doesn't necessarily need to be permanent as well. You know, it could be contracts. I think again also for contract. Uh you know, budgets are tight, right? So five days a week for a, you know, for a for a senior communicator, you know, it might be a bit expensive for a lot of companies on a contract basis at the moment. Fine. You know, look at, you know, look at three days a week. You know, I've spoken to lots of candidates where, you know, they've been in process of roles that, you know, really are paying a, you know, paying a manager level day rate for five days. Well, okay, well, you know, let's find something that suits everybody. If I work three days a week, you know, that's my, you know, that matches my day rate expectations, still fits your budget. You know, you get someone more experienced, you know, for three days, actually, they can probably do, you know, a more junior person's five day work in three days. And then it still gives, you know, that person a couple of days a week to do whatever, you know, you know, live, spend time with their children, <laughs> interview for something more permanent as the market picks up. So yeah, I think, I think, you know, kind of that's what candidates can do, you know, obviously work with, you know, work good recruiters. Uh, you know, I think recruitment isn't, you know, there's no real, you know, there's no huge amount of regulation to it. So very low barriers to entry. So, you know, there are some great recruiters out there. There are also some crap recruiters. So, yeah, so be, you know, so be selective uh, and, yeah, you know, lean on them for tips and advice. Don't go paying a, you know, don't go paying a recruitment coach, you know, 1500 quid or $3,000 to tell you how to sort your LinkedIn profile out and, you know, do a little bit of interview prep. Um, a good recruiter, you know, we'll do that for free. You know, I'll do that for free. I don't mind spending half an hour, um, on, on, on Google meet with a good candidate. Um, you know, it's obviously it's in my interests in that, you know, hopefully some good client service, you know, I can also potentially get a role for them, but even if they don't get the role through me, you know, they'll probably be hiring again at some point in the future. 
you know, give them some time for free. And yeah, you know, hopefully you'd like to think that will come back and, uh, uh, and they'll use us, you know, when they're hiring. So, and then on the hiring manager side of things, Hey, look, you know, I think, I think a lot of them have been, have been quite lucky, you know, this year in that you know, for a lot of companies, as long as you've got an, an okay brand, a brand awareness, you, know, you can put an advert up on LinkedIn and you've been inundated with applications. Uh, I think that's that's definitely starting to you know, it's definitely starting to turn a bit in terms of you know grade A candidates just landing in their inbox. I think it's also important that you know when it's a buyer's market like this and they've got choice, um, you know, to still you know uh, to still recognise the fact that you know, candidates are also interviewing them as well as them interviewing candidates. So you know, little things like manners, you know, asking how a candidate's day is going, all of that sort of stuff, just, you know, making things a bit personal, you know, making them feel welcome, you know, showing a bit of interest in them if you like them too, never goes, you know, kind of never goes uh, down badly. Then also, you know, keeping processes moving, right? Time is a real killer at the moment, particularly for candidates who are unemployed or they're looking for a new contract. You know, they just want to earn money. So, you know, if you're taking weeks between processes, you're going to miss out on your preferred candidate. So, you know, keep the momentum going, keep that going, um, you know, and use hybrid or use a hybrid interview process. You know, do your first interviews on Teams or Google Meet if you're not already. Save everyone time. You know, then I would advise, you know, for most people, unless the role is completely remote, you know, do an in-person interview as well. Um, you know, one, so you can sense check the candidate. But two, you know, it helps build that rapport, right? Yeah, it, video calls only go so far. You see, you know, you, you see the whites of someone's eyes and often you have a, you know, you, you, you build a better rapport, you have a better conversation, you get a bit of buy-in so that when that offer comes and they've got a couple of other offers on the table, they go with you because you've taken the time to meet them, smile, you know, you've sat down for a coffee, a cup of tea, uh, really little simple things like that, you know, smiling, shaking someone's hand can make, can make such a difference. So um, yeah, those would be, yeah, kind of those would be my, my top tips and advice. Thank you, Max. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you today and I'm sure our listeners have found it insightful. And a final thanks to ChatGPT4 for writing my interview questions. And that's a wrap, folks. Until next time, and if you couldn't tell already, this is Isabella, your eye host, signing off from the Comms Coffee Club podcast. Goodbye. Thanks for having me too. Yeah, it's been it's been great being in this chair and being interviewed. Yeah, I hope I hope all the listeners and watchers and watchers uh, have have found it helpful and and insightful. Um, and yeah, kind of thanks to you. Um, and yeah, thanks to ChatGBT as well for coming up with the questions for this. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll also be back uh, next week uh, with with some more in-house comms experts and senior leaders. Uh, yeah, once everyone's feeling a bit better uh, with the yeah with the COVID strain that's going around at the moment. So yeah, any questions that anyone's got off the back of this, of course, yeah, you know, feel free to visit our website, which is www.comsearch.com. Yeah, follow us on all the socials. So yeah, LinkedIn, YouTube, 
uh, Instagram, Twitter. Obviously, you can sign up to our Comms Coffee Club newsletter on uh, LinkedIn, which goes out every uh, Monday. If you just search Comms Session Selection, you'll find it on there. And also on our website as well, uh, you can sign up for our mailing list too. So, yeah, look forward to, um, yeah, uh, yeah, kind of look forward to next week uh, and getting next week's podcast out uh, with a great in-house comms guest. And, yeah, uh, take care.